Hey everybody, this is your boy Garrett J. White, the founder of Wake Up Warrior and CEO of DKW Styling. Welcome to Warrior on Fire Daily Fire Edition. Today's topic is this, puking and vomiting whoppers. Sit back and relax and welcome to today's Daily Fuel. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, last night, last night, um, I found myself scrubbing vomit off of the carpet. We uh, had a little little, little daddy-daughter date night, movie night at the house with uh, me and my seven-year-old watching a little, we watched a little Caroline or some, uh, anyway, some kind of a cartoon she likes to watch. So we're watching this cartoon together. We're having a good time, but it's, it's the Halloween season and my wife's got candy out everywhere. And the kids eat all the candy. I don't know why we put all the candy out, but we put the candy out and the kids eat the candy. And I'm like, God, we got to stop putting this candy out. They're fucking eating all the candy. But I guess that's the point to having candy out. We don't put candy out just to look at it. Although I think my wife puts candy out to look at it. My kids decide that it's just like buffet candy season. Side note, I remember back in the day with Halloween, it was like one day. Nowadays with Halloween, it's like a two-week party. I'm like, I, when did we start having this turn into a like a like a legit Christmas-style holiday with raining sugar from the heavens? All right, so anyways, back to my point. So we're watching the movie. Everything's good. There's no problem. And we go to bed. And I take my daughter to go to her nighttime routine. And as we go into the bathroom and she's going to get her, I get her toothbrush ready to go. I give her a little toothpaste. She does the toothpaste. And she looks at me. She's like, I can't brush my teeth, Dad. And I was like, what's the matter, babe? And she's like, I'm not feeling good. She turns and looks up at me. And her, pa- her face is totally pale. And I'm like, uh-oh. Here comes the sickness. So I looked at her. I was like, well, you want to go lay down and let's see if it goes away? So I have her walk over to her bed and come to put her in bed. But as she's walking around the side of the bed, all of a sudden it begins. You know the thing I'm talking about. Side note, my my wife cannot throw up. Literally. I've seen her throw up like, I think one time our whole lives together. We've been together 17 years. I've seen her throw up one time. I've thrown up like 15 times, but I've never seen her throw up. She just can't do it. She'll, she'll get like super, super sick and still not be able to actually throw up. It's quite insane. So my <clears throat> my uh, my daughter comes in and she starts puking and she spreads her legs like she's almost kind of like she's doing like a like a stretch like when you would put your legs far to the left leg, far to the left, right leg, far to the right, and then you reach down to cherry pickers and like grab, touch the ground in between your legs. So she's doing that and I end up just holding her hair and she is just puking, 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 and four or five times she pukes, and I get the cloth. Wipe her face. I end up scrubbing up all the throw up. And I sit there and I tell her a story. I tell her a story of how when I was a kid, my grandma gave me too much ice cream and I ate all the ice cream and I threw up and I was there on the floor throwing up or I threw up everything on the floor and then I laid down in bed. And I remember sitting and watching my mom down on the carpet, scrubbing up my throw up and talking to me. And I said, babe, here I am scrubbing up literally chunks of whoppers because she'd eaten too many whoppers and gotten herself sick. She's laying there with her sweet little face, color coming back into her face, starting to feel a little bit better. Gave her a little Listerine to rinse it out. And I'm looking at her and I'm scrubbing the carpet and I'm having this moment telling my daughter this story and telling her I love her. And I get to this place of recognition of the following. Life itself repeats itself in cycles. Like the principle is simply this, life moves in cycles. It moves in cycles. Life moves in cycles. Life moves 
in cycles. You and I, every single day, are experiencing the cycle of life, the seasons, right? I was a kid, now I'm an adult, right? I'm a parent. I used to be a kid with a mother who was scrubbing my throw up, and now I am a parent scrubbing throw up with my daughter. And the life, life itself moves in these cycles, and we move in these experiences, and we move in these processes of getting to experience at a different level the same thing and getting to enjoy it from a totally different perspective because the cycle of life that we're in is distinct and different. Having my first child that's 19 versus having our getting our, our last child, which is seven, like there's a distinct different experience between raising those children based on who I was because based on the cycle of my life. And being able to appreciate the cycle that you're actually in matters. So let me ask you this. Where in your world, across body, being, balance, and business, do you find yourself in a place of experiencing a cycle, but you've not given yourself permission to be aware of it? While I'm sitting there scrubbing throw up off the ground, I'm remembering being a child and having my mother scrub my throw up off the ground. And it brought some kind of softness to my heart about the whole experience. Where in your world across body being balanced business in the core four, do you find yourself in a cycle, but you haven't given yourself appreciation for the fact that you're in a very different place now, yet in the same type of experience? Once you have that on point and you've got that all on lockdown, you know what to do. Pull out your warm up weapon, aka drone in your pen, write that shit down, and, well, figure out what's the first thing you can do today about being appreciative of it. Maybe express it with somebody else. My friend, what you just finished listening to is today's Daily Fire parable and a principle. Up next is the daily fuel, which is the connection of that fiery parable and principle to the actual production strategies of living the warrior's way found in the warrior book. So if you don't have a copy of the warrior book, well, guess what? Although this next daily fuel is going to be powerful, it won't be nearly as powerful if you don't have the tools and resources to follow along. I would encourage you to head to warriorbook.com and get that book shipped to you today. Man, woman, or child is going to help you either way. So, with or without the book, here we go. And welcome to this section known as the Daily Fuel. All right, all right, all right. So, you got to hear the tale of the Christmas movie date night with my daughter, the overconsumption of Whoppers in the parable of the puking baby. The principle that we moved on is that life moves in cycles. I spoke about inside of our parable for today in the fire about uh, the experience I had being the one who used to throw up as a child myself and it was my mom cleaning up my vomit and yet here we are years later and I'm in the same position. 42 years old, my seven-year-old daughter cleaning up vomiting chunks of Whopper sitting on the carpet. Now, this process of life evolving and moving, this is the principle, is that life moves in cycles, like moves in cycles. You can look at this as a karma game. You can look at this as a, a, you know, some kind of law of the harvest. If you're in the Christian side of things, you can look at this as what you put out comes back. You can look at this as yin and yang. You can look at it as whatever you want to look at. But here's the deal. Life moves in cycles and where you are is where someone ahead of you used to be and where you'll be will end up somehow looping back to where you are. I know that sounds completely fucking like confusing as I'm even listening to myself say it. But here's the, here's the thing I just want you to look at as we dive into the game again today inside the Warrior Book. And specific with this particular principle 
is this, is that life moves in cycles. That means two things. One, it means nothing you're experiencing right now will last forever. It's just not going to happen. Like, there's nothing. Like, life itself does not stay in one season all the time. Right? There's seasons of winter. There's seasons of spring. There's seasons of summer. There's seasons of fall. And each one of these seasons has a purpose. And then, of course, you live in Orange County, where I live, and there's not really any of those seasons. It's kind of like basically one season, like year-round. It's about the same temperature. Gets a little bit warm for about three months, and besides that, like warm here for us, like 85. But it doesn't get much warmer now. We don't get snow, we don't get hurricanes, we don't get tsunamis, we don't have tornadoes, we don't have any of that shit. We just have like sun and we have overcast. Well, we have that sun true. We have June gloom, which means for about June, June, July, August, which is always fun to me because everybody travels here to be here part of the experience of Orange County and the beaches and the summertime. But when you come here in the summertime, you get cloud cover. Which like makes no sense, but yet that's how it is. So we're going to take this principle, this idea that life moves in cycles. We're going to take the parable of the puking whoppers and we're going to apply it to the game in chapter 35. We're specifically moving from our quarterly targets to our monthly benchmarks. Okay, if you back up from this again, code, tell the fucking truth, gets us to the stack. Stack weaponizes and moves us forward. The core four weaponize the highest version of who we are. The stack pulls us forward to the next version of us. Our one door and four keys moves us business-wise forward towards what? Towards our 90-day quarterly targets. Our general's tent every week is to assess whether I'm on track or off track heading towards those 90-day outcomes. And now we get to take a look today around benchmarks. And we're going to understand what the benchmarks are all about, but you know how that goes. We're going to have a little quote here to get us started. Some men give up their designs when they have almost reached the goal, while others, on the contrary, obtain a victory by exerting at the last moment more vigorous efforts than ever before. Herodotus, ancient Greek historian, considered the father of history, 484 BCE to 424 BCE. This guy lived like, uh, lived 60 years. If that was the case, that would mean I have exactly 18 years till I die. Hmm. What if you died in 18 years? How do you feel about that? I don't want to die in 18 years, but, hmm, I don't know. It's an interesting thought. Anyways, this guy's nailed some good shit here. Some men give up their designs when they have almost reached the goal, while others, on the contrary, obtain a victory by exerting at the last moment more vigorous efforts than ever before. Isn't that crazy? Mike, you can set a target. You can set an impossible game target, okay, for your quarterly target. And yet most individuals will push really hard for a short period of time until they get to a certain place in which they quit. They quit and never know victory. 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 Yet the opposite of this is actually doubling down your efforts. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. Doubling down your efforts in the final game. Right? At the time I'm recording this, it's like the, it's like the last month of the year. Right? And most people slow the fuck down. Instead of what? Accelerating. Accelerating. Here we go. We're going to jump into verse number one, page 420. 
Warrior book. My very first Iron Man was scary as shit. I probably did the entire race completely wrong, but I became addicted and hooked to the race even after the mistakes, participating in many Ironmans after that. Two, as I started to take competitions more seriously, I began to train my ass off and eventually ended up in the Ironman World Championships in 2007. Arriving in Kona, Hawaii, my mind had been trained to operate with these games very differently. Side note on this, this was uh, something like I was good, but I was not that good. Um, I ended up getting a lottery ticket into the Ironman World Championships, um, and it got me qualified in. I was not, uh, I was still like 45 minutes away from qualifying at the time to actually be in the race. So let's go back to verse three. But I got to experience it, and I raced with all the professionals. I raced with all the age group champions and everybody. It was an amazing experience. Three, we got there early in the morning. I loved it because I stamped the numbers on my arm. I got my backpack on, nervous and excited to be participating in something that I'd only watched videos of, yet there I was in the middle of it all. Four, there's just so much energy at the world championships. Everybody in the water had earned the right to compete at the elite level they were at. We were all here, all had to train our ass off to be able to even get in the water, so there's almost a sense of relief that comes when I got there because I thought back to literally thousands of hours I'd ridden my bike, swam in a pool when nobody was awake, then ran my ass off through the night when nobody was, and everybody was sleeping. Finally coming to a head amongst all those other athletes, I knew that I had to show up that day to make shit happen. Five. So I got my goggles and skin suit on and we went down to the sand and then began swimming into the warm ocean to tread water out in the middle of the bay waiting for the start. I remember lying on my back, floating and looking up into the sky at these helicopters that were above. And it was so surreal for me because I'm like, shit, I've watched this on television and now I'm in the show. Six, as I lie there, my coach's words came back into my mind. Handle the work in front of you. Move buoy to buoy and benchmark to benchmark and success will be yours. You've done the work. Good thing these words kept running through my mind, as you'll soon see. Seven, imagine 2,000 people, people packed in like sardines at the start, treading water, about 200 meters off the beach. There was a boat 1.2 miles out into the middle of the ocean we had to swim out to which from the beach can barely be seen. But once you're down in the water, you can't see that shit at all. All I could see was the guy behind me, the gal to my left, the woman in front, the dude behind. Everything became tunnel vision. Eight. The countdown clock began. Ten, nine, eight, until I could hear everybody there yelling. Three, two, one, boom. Then the cannon went off. Nine, if you've ever attended or watched Iron Man videos, you can see all these thousands of people sitting there in the calm, treading water until, boom, all hell breaks loose, and suddenly it's like you're in a goddamn blender. White foam goes everywhere as all 2,000 swimmers begin to paddle or stroke with their arms and kick with their feet. It's absolute chaos for those 500 to 1,000 meters of the swim, bumping into people right and left. Ten, I was about 100 meters into the swim, and these, these people, this gal continued to slam into me. I was getting pissed, frustrated, because I wanted to swim clean, but I was in the blender. In my mind, I decided the next person that cuts me off, I'm punching in the back, and I'm going to shove their ass under the water. Karma is a bitch slap. Here it comes. Eleven. So I wouldn't, so wouldn't you know it, the next person to cut me off is a petite five foot three hundred pound woman. I didn't give a shit. I was like, I don't care. Dark warriors out to run this bitch. So here we go. She started to cut in. I turned my paddle hand into a fist and boom, down into the water she went. Bye bye. I came with my left arm and did the same thing to the guy much bigger than me on the other side. Boom, down into the water he went. I was like, you motherfuckers didn't know I was used to be a violent dude in the football world. This is not new for me. I will knock all of you out. I was feeling really good because I had cleared a path for myself. But <clears throat> karma was about to bitch slap, or I should say kick me in the face back to China. 12, about six seconds later, I swam up on the feet of a guy in front of me. And I took a heel right into the eye socket and my left goggle 
Water started to fill up, so during one of my strokes, I adjusted without any lasting results. Even stopping to take them off and readjusting, only to discover the goggle got cracked. 13. I was 150 to 200 meters into the world championships of a 2.4 mile swim. After training every single day for years to get to that point, there was no option of stopping, nor were there extra goggles lying around in the middle of the ocean, so I was left with the decision to swim or quit. And quitting was not an option, so I swam with one eye. Just call me One-Eyed Willie. 14. I started to panic for the next 50 to 75 meters because I couldn't fucking see. The salt water was causing my eye to swell up, plus the kick of the heel into my eye. God, good job, karma. That'll teach me to hit two other people and push them underwater. 15. I began to move to the right. My right eye could see, so I was able to view the big-ass orange buoys, which were all I worried about. This became my focus and the only possible way for me to make it through the swim. 16. All I did was follow. I followed the orange buoys. I would sight, look for the buoy, go back into the water. Paddle six to eight strokes, sight, look for the buoy, and paddle. I stayed on course with one eye, completely sealed shut from salt water, and the big kick to the face I'd taken. All I focused on were those buoys all the way back to the beach. 17. 2.4 miles later, goggles were off, eyes were swollen. I'm running up the steps, barely able to open my left eye from the kick, swollen and compressed in the remaining goggles for roughly the last hour of the swim. 18. During the first 30 miles of the bike portion, I couldn't see out of my left eye. 20 different times during the swim, I started panting, panicking about what this swollen eye meant for the run and bike. But then I shifted the focus back to looking for the next buoy, then the next buoy after that. See, inside of Ironman, you can't worry about what's coming up. You have to deal with the work that's in front of you and work towards the next benchmark, the next buoy. That day is long enough, but if you start to mindfuck yourself and worry about how you're going to perform in the entire competition, your mind begins to implode on itself. So I'm going to go freestyle on this for the rest of this one. We're going to wrap up this chapter. Here's the deal. Our principle is simple, right? That life itself is constantly cycling and circling. Like just a vomit game, etc. That life moves in cycles and circles. It always comes back. My karma game I'd experienced in Iron Man, that was absolutely deliberate. Like I was an idiot. I was like ruthless as somebody else. And immediately the universe came back and said, really, dickhead? Here you go. Bitch slap to the face. In this case, it was a bitch slap through a, it was a, a, a foot slap to the eyeball. Bam, into the eyeball. I got it. And I had to focus. The second piece inside of this, though, is I had to focus on what? Buoys. See, when you set a 90-day target for yourself, there's a time of panic that's going to happen in between this. Like, there's just a shitload of panic. Here's where I am, and there's this panicky experience that I'm having, and things aren't going to go exactly the way I planned. Like, there's where you are, and there's a target of where you say you're going to go 90 days from now. There's where I am and where I say I'm going to go in 90 days. There's where I am and there's where I say I'm going to go in 90 days. And that's all hunky-dory. It's like standing on the beach and looking out at the, the boat and saying, well, I'm going to swim out there to that boat at 1.2 miles out and swim back. Then there's you actually getting your face in the water. Once you're getting after the game, the only way for you to actually stay on track through that entire swim course is to stay focused on the next buoy, to sight and swim to the next buoy. Inside of your 90-day targets, it's no different. Your impossible game targets that you set for 90 days from now across body, being, balance, and business, but we have to break it up. We have to break it up, and one of the first breakups we do is inside of your quarterly breakdown into monthly benchmarks. So if I'm 90 days, then that means I have a benchmark at 30 days. That means I have a second benchmark at 60 days. That means I have another benchmark, which would be my ultimate 90 days. So I use these benchmarks as a time to course correct. I use them as a time to adjust. I use them as a a way to focus. It can be overwhelming trying to get all the way to the finish line. 
Iron Man is overwhelming, particularly under those conditions with my aisle jacked. But what is doable is if you focus on simply the next buoy. And that's all that matters. Like as you do this, and you'll see inside of the General's Tent, which is the weekly version of this tracking, every month inside of this, Benchmark 1 and Benchmark 2, inside of that 90-day challenge, you're going to make some assessments, course correct, and move forward. Here's our points to ponder from today's General's Tent. Point 1, do the work in front of you, focus on the buoy, and hit your benchmarks. Shit is going to happen, but if you just keep calm, course correct, and continue to move forward towards your outcome, it will be accomplished. Point 2, if you create an impossible game that's accurate, a target that matters, and a target that feels realistic but impossible... It's all going to require you to change. Point three, inside your challenges, is a cru- it is crucial that you have these checkpoints where you can ask, okay, where am I at? What do I need to adjust? Am I on target? Yes or no? That's the question we've been able to, at- been able to answer with our 30-day, 60-day, and 90-day target benchmarks. Point four, we're not judging whether you hit your targets as good or bad, just the facts. That's the beauty of metrics. So as you set your impossible games, Understand that we're going to have some pit stops along the way. And two of those specific pit stops are benchmark one at 30 days and benchmark two at 60 days. So you just finished the Daily Fuel. Now it's time for you to get access to the action guides, personalized, customized journaling, and association with others who listen to the Daily Fuel every day for free by heading to warrioronfire.com right now. That's right. Head to warrioronfire.com today and set up your free account inside of the Warrior Armory. On top of this, you know exactly what you also need to get, which is the new book, Warrior Book, found at warriorbook.com. That book, together with what you're doing inside the armory, well, it's going to take these daily fuels to a whole nother level. So get that account set up today at warrioronfire.com and get your book shipped your way by heading to warriorbook.com now.